Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Friday, October 23rd, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Check me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also follow my Strictly Blackhawks account. That's at Talkin' Hockey. If you like what you're hearing today, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day as well. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, on our slate today, we have yet another crossover episode. After a fun segment yesterday with Locked On Devils host Trey Matthews, where we discussed the Corey Crawford signing in New Jersey, both our teams committing to the youth movement and whatnot, we got a crossover event once again today, but this time with Locked On Leafs host Mike DiStefano. It was another really enjoyable segment that we got together for. We talked all things Blackhawks and Leafs, and I also really hope you all enjoy this segment as well. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be fantastic. Uh, we got a good, fun uh, episode for you guys today. A bit of a different one than usual. We got a guest joining us. He is the host of Locked On Blackhawks and with a Big decision made by the organization to go into a bit of a rebuild. I had to get this man on the show to talk about it. Ladies and gents, Jack Bushman. Jack, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mike. Thank you for having me on the show. Got uh, got lots to talk about this afternoon. Oh, 100%. We got a lot to talk about uh, because it was just a couple of days ago that the, the Blackhawks kind of it, it, somewhat maybe stunned the fans of Chicago, uh, sent out a a rebuild, a letter to the fans alerting them that they're going to be going into a rebuild going into the next uh, season or two, which is very reminiscent to what the New York Rangers did with their fan base a couple of years ago. And it's turned out actually pretty good uh, over the course of the past couple of seasons for them. So I think obviously Chicago is hoping to mirror kind of the quick rebuild and turnaround that the Rangers were able to have here. Um, But that remains to be seen. But just in general, Jack, I want to know, what was the reaction amongst Blackhawk fans uh, within the city of Chicago and, and yourself when you saw this letter? Some people, it, it wasn't much of a surprise because a couple weeks before the statement was released, Stan Bowman had a press release and he stated that we were going to commit to the youth movement. But what this really symbolized was that the rebuild, as much as we're going to try to rebuild, it's hard to do so with four players locked in at 40% of your cap space. But we're going to do our best to actually try to try to rebuild around those core players. And the biggest thing was that Stan Bowman, he didn't shy away from the word rebuild. And that's kind of what's been going on the last couple of years. We've kind of beat around the bush a little bit, been stuck in this tough limbo where We know we're not good enough to compete for a Stanley Cup, but at the same time, we don't want to be wasting the best years of Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Duncan Keith, and those guys. So we kind of were in this interesting limbo situation, and now 
this kind of just openly communicated to the fans the direction we're trying to go in. And that was really an issue in the last couple of weeks. Jonathan Taze had an interesting sit-down interview with The Athletic where kind of voiced his displeasure with the lack of communication that was going on with the team. So this wasn't that much of a surprise to a lot of Blackhawks fans. It just kind of stapled in the fact that this is official and this is the route we're actually going to go. It probably should have just happened a couple of years ago. That's the only problem I think most people had with it. It, it typically happens a little bit later than it should, but it's good when it eventually happens. I mean, here in Toronto, we had many, many seasons where we finished on the outside looking in and, and it just, mm-hmm. you kept looking at the team and, and the organization and the GM saying, why don't you just blow this thing up and kind of start from scratch and rebuild through the draft and rebuild it as opposed to trading away your picks and your prospects and only getting into sometimes getting a first round uh, entrance into the playoffs, but often finishing in ninth or 10th in the conference. So I know what right. that feels like. So it's nice to see that the Blackhawks are actually just going to do their fan base a little bit of a, 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 a service here and just to, and just tell them, look, we're taking a step back. Uh, but I think what what I what I want to know is is what does happen with those big guns, right? Like you got Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith. They're all locked in to pretty sizable deals. Um, Keith actually is a rather digestible contract to move, I would say. But you know, would you say that they are going to be buying into this rebuild, or do you believe that one, maybe two, or potentially all three of them could end up getting moved by Chicago? It's tough. So I don't think any of those three are going to get moved. At least that doesn't sound like the plan. You can include Brent Seabrook into that mix as well. For different uh, reasons. And especially <laughs> it's going to be hard to move them when all four have full no movement clauses. So even if they're, even if the Blackhawks wanted to trade them, these are all four guys that have played in this organization for their entire careers, well over a decade now. So I don't think any, I don't think the plan right now is for any of those guys to be gone. I think we do still expect them to be part of the the near future, at least these next three to four seasons while they're still under contract. As for if they're going to buy in or not, I think it's definitely going to be easier for Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane to buy in guys who are 31, not 36, 37, right. like Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are. They're, they're a little, little bit older than Taze and Kane. So it's tough for those guys because they may not be here to see the upside of rebuilding right now. Whereas Kane and Taze, this rebuild is meant to help them out and kind of help preserve their best years for as long as we can. We understand that if we don't rebuild now, we could just be wasting away their best years. Like we've kind of done the past two, three seasons since we haven't really been Stanley cup contenders. I would look at, at the Rangers, and, and if I'm a guy mm-hmm. like Taze and Kane, I would kind of think about reaching out to a guy like Henrik Lundqvist, somebody who said, yeah, I'm willing to go through the rebuild. And then when all said and done, they went through the rebuild, and it turns out they actually had a player that they felt was a better goaltender and a better chance for them to, to win going forward, and they moved on and ended up buying out Lundqvist, who went through this rebuild right. process. It, you know, like, if you're Kane and Taze, you got to be thinking, or even Duncan Keith, you got to be thinking in the back of your mind, like, that could end up happening towards the end of the contract. Is, is that kind of maybe troublesome and something that they should be thinking about? I think more so for Duncan Keith, just because I don't know if he's going to want to be a part of that rebuild for just, as you said, he could potentially be traded out. He has the most reasonable contract of the, of the bunch. That's why I say so. He has a pretty fair contract while Seabrook's nearly 7 million per season and 
Taze and Kane are 10.5. So Keith at half those at half of that number, he's the one guy who I think could be moved out of these guys just because of, of that fact. And because he may not see the upside of being part of the rebuild. It's just a tough situation to put these core players in. It's, it's, I'm, I'm happy to hear that they at least had a sit down interview with our general manager to talk about the future. That makes me feel more confident that at least there was an open discussion about everything that's going on. So there's no miscommunications or anything. Um, and since that, since that little meeting they had, it sounds like everything's going better. And Stan Bowman said the core players are probably going to be around. So that sounds like the expectation right now, Mike. Well, who are going to be the core players going forward? Because when you have a youth movement, you got to assume that there's going to be some some of the young guys that are going to be kind of breaking through. Do you think that they're they would entertain moving a guy like Strom or even to Brinkett, or are they part of that new core going forward for Chicago as that next wave? I think they thought about getting rid of Strom for a little bit, but the fact of the matter is he's still so young. We kind of tinkered him with with him last season. We threw him off at the wing. He's a natural center. He really struggled playing at the wing. So I I do expect Alex DeBrinkett and Dylan Strom to really be some of the leader. Uh, the leaders of the young group that's coming up in the system right now. Also Kirby doc, we're going to rely on him a lot. He's going to see big minutes next season, probably as our second line center uh, on the back end, Adam Boquist. He was the first round pick in 2018. He was up in the NHL as a 19 year old last season. He's already seeing top four minutes at, as a teenager. Um, and we have a couple other young defensemen in the system, Ian Mitchell. He was a really good college player, captain at university of Denver, really good collegiate program. Wyatt Kalanick, one of the top um, unrestricted free agents who didn't sign with his uh, draft team out of college. He was drafted by the Flyers. He's going to get an opportunity with the Blackhawks. So there are a lot of young faces that are going to be part of this youth movement. It's just now figuring out how far away they are from making an impact and where they kind of fit in the lineup along with some of these depth pieces that we still have that are a little bit older. And I got to ask, because you've brought it up a couple times now. Well, not that you brought it up, but you've said Brent Seabrook when you're including him in, in the core. I feel like there's some affinity with Seabrook with people from Chicago because he was there. And he was part of that, The you know, a big part of the first couple of cups that, that they won in Chicago. But this is a guy who in the past few years has really taken a decline. And I oh, know yeah. from being outside the market, like I, I wouldn't even include him in any conversation where they discuss Seabrook being a core player or, you know, like the, I left him off of the list when I was talking earlier and you're like, you know, Seabrook's another guy who could potentially be up there. But like, I, I just don't see what is it with with Seabrook and and the reason why Blackhawks fans are still so in love with this guy and look at him as <laughs> as a main core piece of this team. No, there's there's no doubt his his best days are well beyond him. I'm not saying that, um, but the the fact of the matter is he has a full no movement clause and no one's gonna want to take on that contract six point eight eight million dollars for the next four seasons. No one wants that and. With that no movement clause, he can't go anywhere unless he wants to. And he's been such a vocal leader in the clubhouse for the past decade. Jonathan Taze has always been known as the captain, obviously, Captain Sirius. He gets all the recognition. But Seabrook really was the vocal leader in that locker room. And he's been that guy for some time now. And while I know he's not the player he once was on the ice, he still, I think, can provide some veteran leadership. But the question is now with Seabrook, it's like, 
do we want to play him over a young prospect? It doesn't really make sense to, but at the same time, we don't want to show disrespect to such a key piece of our Stanley Cup cups in the past 10 years. We don't want to use him as a seventh defenseman. And he's vocally said he doesn't want to be in that role either. So it's like, we're kind of in between a rock and a hard place with what to do with Brent Seabrook at the moment. That's why I'm still including him in those conversations. Not because he's going to be a key piece of our success going forward. That's right. far right. from the truth. I, I, totally, I totally understand where it comes from there. And I, I agree with you. And, and I know that's what you meant. But when it comes to Seabrook, like, was there conversations about potentially buying him out if that's the case? The buyout's like a nightmare. It's a horrible-looking buyout. It oh, puts really? us in even worse cap space. The buyout's really bad. So that's really not even an option, which stinks. We basically have to sit mm. here and take it. <laughs> that does stink because uh... there's no other way to put it. Like, <laughs> we can't we can't trade him? We can't buy him out? We can't send him to Rockford? It's either we play him, or he's in the seventh defenseman spot and he's probably pissed about it. Right, right, right. Um, what's interesting about the Blackhawks is there's a lot of parallels between them and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And on the other side, we're gonna chat a little bit about whether or not you believe that to be the case and, and, and your thoughts on this Leafs core and if you can kind of see the correlation between them and the Blackhawks. Before we continue this conversation, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Built Bar has a ton of awesome flavors like salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, German chocolate cake, and they also have six new flavors, which are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp, all of which, much like the other 12 flavors, are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they are also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use our promo code LOCKEDON in all caps to get $10 off your first order. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use our promo code LOCKEDON in all caps for $10 off your first Built Bar order. All right, joining me in today's show is Lockdown Blackhawks host Jack Bushman. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation here that we were just alluding to a moment ago um, between the Maple Leafs and the Blackhawks because there have been a lot of parallels between the way that 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 the that Chicago was constructed to the way that Toronto is being built. Do you see any correlation between the Leafs core of now and the Blackhawks of a decade ago? I see parallels between the 2008-2009 Chicago Blackhawks and this this Leafs team. They're, they have a ton of young talent up front. There's so many there's so much superstar potential there, but what I'm what I'm struggling to see mostly is that I I just have a hard time believing you guys have the defense to win a Stanley Cup. We had Duncan Keith, Nicholas Jalmerson, who was one of the best shutdown defensive defensemen in the league. And in the past couple of years where the Leafs have been expected to kind of be competing for a Stanley cup, I think the defense has really been what's killed them. And I think that's the biggest pair, uh, the biggest difference between the early Blackhawks team before their Stanley cups and the Leafs team of right now, there's so much potential up front, like Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. It's 
something that we've basically never seen before, like so much cap space taken up by those four players. It's just a little bit more of a unique build because they loaded up on up front with, you know, guys like Morgan Riley, Jake Muzzin, TJ Brody. And there's, they're not bad defensemen, but I don't know. I just don't, it's been tough to see them not get the job done in the postseason, And I think it's been the defensive faults for that's what's killed the Leafs so far. What are your thoughts on that, Mike? Hey, listen, you're not going to get an argument out of me that this defense is, is good. Cause it's not, this defense was brutal. And last year they were, they were terrible, right? They've been bad for a while now. Uh, Morgan Riley is a quality first pairing defenseman. I think we can, we can probably no doubt. get some ground there. And Morgan Riley, I would consider to be our version of Duncan Keith. He is nowhere near the defensive guy that Duncan Keith was like, he doesn't play as well as Keith does in his, in his own zone, but he he's kind of our guy, our horse that we can throw out there for 25 minutes and feel pretty good about our Brent Seabrook. I don't know if we have a Seabrook from when he was, you know, his best 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. back when they were winning cups. I don't know if we have that. I guess you would say Jake Muzzin would be our closest to uh, a prime Brent Seabrook. But, you know, going out and getting a guy like TJ Brody, I think is going to be huge for this team. And that's why I have faith going forward that they've really uh, done a lot, did a lot this offseason to kind of better this this team. And, and especially defensively, they got a kid from, uh, well, I guess not a kid. He's like 25 or 26 years old. But they got a, a, a free agent out of Finland who's actually playing unbelievable right now in the KHL. He's coming over and, and there's a lot of excitement building around him. I think he's got like 13 points in 12 games to start the KHL season. So there's a lot of excitement around him. Um, so there's there is some really good uh, progressions that we're seeing with the Maple Leafs D, which has been a massive, massive black hole for a long time here. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're right in that regard. To me, some of the biggest differences in the narrative between when Chicago won, you know, with their big guns, with Taze and Kane, um, they didn't get their contracts until after winning their cups, right. right? So, so that allowed them to kind of load up with a lot of depth pieces, and that's something where Toronto, I think, the past few seasons at least, has lacked. Yeah, we were able definitely to take advantage of that. You look at our top nine in 2015. We had Tavo Teravainen, Patrick Sharp, mm. Antoine Vermette, of course, to go along with Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Marion Hosa. Like, because we didn't have those guys on the huge contracts yet, we were able to afford so much more at the time. And that was even still after we had to make some salary cap cuts. We were still able to get that loaded. Um, it, it was definitely it definitely made it easier for us to build a team that was ready to win a Stanley Cup year in and year out for that six seven year span. And that's definitely a big difference because you don't have as much flexibility when you have all these guys, Austin Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, they're all locked up for four years at big numbers. So that really doesn't give you that much flexibility to go and add the depth pieces around them that you want. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just went quickly and and took a peek at the guys who the Blackhawks went added the years that they won the cup. 
and, and, and not only just the depth pieces in terms of what they can do on the ice, but also off the ice and some leadership roles, which is why I think the Leafs signing a guy like Joe Thornton could kind of be mm-hmm. like uh, the 0910 version of John Madden and what he did for the Blackhawks in that playoffs, or, or Michael Hanzus in 2012-13, or like you said, Vermette in 14-15, just adding those veteran pieces, Kimo Tiemann and Michael Rosefall, uh, Kopecky, you know, uh, Brad Richards, like those leadership yeah. guys who've kind of been there and those guys who've made playoff runs good in the locker room. So maybe speak to the importance of that depth for Chicago and some of the leadership guys who are brought in to help that young group grow. Yeah, a lot of the guys you just said, you can easily forget about them because they're not going to make that big, the biggest flashy plays on the ice or anything, but they're huge huge to the depth department also in the locker room a guy like John Madden who you brought up I haven't heard John Madden's name in like six years (laughs) I put a huge smile on my face honestly because I love John Madden he was a hard worker great great guy to have on your third and fourth line Michael Hanzus as well glad we got to win him a cup he was a warrior all those guys you just mentioned they bring such a, a huge impact to the game all they can do they've been there done that Brad Richards that he ends up working out so well on the second line with Patrick Kane it, they can bring such a huge impact, and I know that's what the Leafs are doing. That's what they try to do with Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton bringing Wayne him in. Wayne Simmons, another I, guy. Sorry, oh, Wayne Simmons. Yep. Yep, he's another guy that's been around. And, that hey, that's a, that's a good makeup for success because you have guys that have been in every situation. There's no panic in that locker room. And after kind of some first-round blunders by the Leafs the past couple of seasons, I think it never hurts to have more of that in the locker room, a little more calm and cool. And Joe Thornton certainly provides that. Oh, 100%. And, you know, we're, we're pretty excited about it up here in Toronto, bringing in Jumbo Joe. We understand that he's not going to be that top six, you know, 100-point guy that he was, you know, in his heyday in San Jose and, and Boston. But if he can come in and provide that type of leadership, like you said, like a John Madden, like a Michael Hanzus, then I think that the Leafs uh, are, are better off heading into this mm-hmm. year than they would have been last season when they just didn't have that that experience. They didn't have that type of leadership. They did have Spezza, but but you can't do it on your own, right? Like I, 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 I named off a few players, but like in 09-10, Madden, Kopetsky, and, and Hosa were the three veterans that were added. That's three. Hanzus, yeah. Roosevelt, and Oduya added in 12-13. That's three more. And then Vermette, Timonen, and Richards were added in 14-15. Again, those are three big guys. And this year, when I parallel it to what I think maybe Toronto could do if they go on a big run, they've added Joe Thornton. Spezza technically was last year. Him. But you know, Joe Thornton, Jason Spezza, and Wayne Simmons. I feel like that is when we're paralleling between and comparing between the Leafs and, and, the, and the Blackhawks. I feel like those three could be those big-time leadership additions that, the Black, that really help the Blackhawks win themselves three cups. Yeah, that's a really good point. Works out really well for the Leafs getting a bunch of veteran experience. And also, the guys that can play a gritty style of play, you can never have too much of that in the playoffs as yep. well. Joe Thornton, not, a, not afraid of going in the boards. Wayne Simmons, front of the net guy, throws his weight around. Not only good leaders, but good guys you want to have in, when you're in the bunker as well. Exactly. You know, Jimmy Vesey's another player that they added. He's a, a tough guy to play against. A little sandpaper. 
little sandpaper. TJ Brody can bring that. You know, Jake Muzzin's a, a hard-nosed guy himself. So I, I do like what the Leafs have done, and, and I see the, the, the comparisons to Chicago. And, and now I, that's why I wanted to get your thoughts on that and just, you know, from, to, to get an understanding from a guy who saw it happen a decade ago and maybe if you see it happening here in Toronto. Um, and... and I, I do want to know if you believe that they'll have some success, but I'm going to get you to hold off on that. <laughs> We're going to play some cosine, no sign when we come back from this break. But first, I got to tell you all about Built Go. Welcome back to the Locked On These Podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano, joined by Jack Bushman, the host of the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. We're going to play some cosine, no sign. And if you haven't played this before, Jack, it's a game that I like to play here on, on the Locked On These Podcast periodically uh, when I get some guests on the show. Essentially, it's a pretty easy game. I'm going to make a statement. If you agree with it, you're going to co-sign. If you disagree, you no-sign, and then you explain why you have either agreed or disagreed. I have four statements here for you. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. This sounds like fun. Let's get it. All right, let's go. Question number one. The Toronto Maple Leafs will win a Stanley Cup in the next five years. Co-sign or no-sign? Co-sign. Their lineup's too stacked. They'll figure it out. That, come on. Come on. With that forward group, you better. I like you better. I think they do. I mean, look at that talent. And as I said, the defense has kind of been lacking in the past couple of seasons, but you've, the, the team's done, done things to be harder to play against. TJ Brody, that's a good signing. He's a physical defenseman. Jake Muzzin, that was a good, good acquisition a couple of seasons ago. He's locked in for the next four years. I think if you get the defense playing hard-nosed style of play, they can play well in front of their own net in the playoffs this forward group's going to lead them to where they want to be. And uh, if Freddie Anderson's the guy, that's kind of an interesting situation. But I still think just with those core four up front, I think a cup in the next five years is going to happen from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Jack, you know your audience, man. You're a real pro. Good answer. <laughs> Good answer. I'm, uh, I'm speaking the truth. I'm speaking the truth. I wouldn't lie to you. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Well, let's hear if you can speak the truth on your Blackhawks because my second oh question for you is – Stan Bowman will make it through the rebuild and still be the Blackhawks GM in the next five years. 100% no sign. There's no way. I can't believe he's still around now. He, he, <laughs> he better hope this works. Five years, I don't think there's any way he's, he's still the GM by 2025. I hope not. Just based off how he's crippled us in the past three seasons, um, but I do like cups. how he won you three cups. Oh, so he did make some trades. He he drafted Taravainen. He drafted Shaw. He made some some nice acquisitions. But the core, the oh, foundation was Talon laid out for him by Jay you? Talon. You're a Dale I'm not Talon a, I'm not a Dale Talon stan. I promise you, I'm really not. But he did lay the foundation for him. I won't say Stan didn't have his part in the Stanley Cups. He did make necessary acquisitions to win in 2013 and 2015. That's 100% true. But at the same time, he has really made this future 100% questionable by the, trades he's, by the trades he's made in the past couple of seasons. And five more years of Stan Bowman, I think that's just way too long. If you said three, uh, I may have a tougher time saying saying no sign, but five years, I don't think Stan Bowman's going to make it through the entire rebuild. I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with no sign. The only thing I would say to that is if ownership has signed off on this team going through a rebuild, I think it's with the expectation that it could take 
up to that. Plus, now that we're kind of in a little bit of a pandemic here and nobody knows what the financials are going to be like, if you fire Stan Bowman and then you got to go out and hire somebody else, that means that you're still going to have to pay Stan Bowman. And I don't know, is, is, is Chicago, are their, their pockets deep enough where they're going to be okay with doing that? I know some organizations no. aren't, some are, but that's, that's you know, financially, that's also something to think about when it, when it comes to this. But I, I'm going to co-sign it just because I believe that if ownership has signed off on a rebuild, I think uh, he'll get five years out of, out of the gig. No, I definitely see where you're coming from. From If they've stuck with him this long, it seems like it would only be right to let him go through the rebuild. I yeah. mean, there's definitely, it's definitely been questionable to keep him this far. And we've heard the front office say that they believe in Stan. Um, just five years seems like a long time to me. That's the only thing I could say about it. Yeah, yeah, it is a long time. And, you know, that's, that's part of the game. It's, it's, they're kind of tough, tough questions you got to think about. Absolutely. And one other thing I want to add is, we're not the most you can you can also attest to this I'm very sure. We're not the most patient fan base. So <laughs> with this rebuild if it's not looking good in 2 to 3 years, I don't think there would be hesitation just because the fans they've seen what winning's like, they want to get back to it and they're very very stubborn and not the nicest. <laughs> Is that the expectation kind of to do kind of replicate exactly what happened with the Rangers? We're two years after tanking and sending out that letter. You're immediately back in the hunt. Definitely, especially because the Blackhawks media has kind of pushed it that way. So now all <laughs> the fans are like seeing they're like, oh, New York's good. Of course, they landed the number one overall pick, like number two overall pick in back to back years. That doesn't happen to everybody. But now we got these expectations that all of a sudden we're going to be a good playoff team in two years and rebuilds don't always work like that. And at the same time, in order for a rebuild to work effectively, you have to be a little patient. So yep. uh, it's it's a tough scenario being with a fan base this cruel. Yeah, I can tell you uh, from firsthand perspective as, as a Leafs fan, they could take a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm... All right, third, third one for you here, Jack. The NHL regular season will start on the target date of January 1st. Cosign, no sign. No sign. It's not happening. I don't think so. There's just too much Too much is up in the air at this point. And professional sports, we're still seeing outbreaks. We're still seeing outbreaks across the country. And there's just nothing set in stone right now. And for, for what, a January 1st start date? You'd have to think training camp would start sometime at the end of November, early December. And we haven't heard even, like, rumblings of that so far. Yeah. So I just have a hard time seeing anything getting done by January 1st. And it seems like every, every month or so, we're kind of scooting it back another month. Like it originally, the plan was going to be December 1st. And then we heard late December and now it's like early January and we still don't have anything set in stone. It's just kind of a mess right now. And I think there's too many variables that don't have definite answers to, to say January 1st, lock it in right now, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm, you know, no sign in this as well, especially I know that they came out today and they announced that they were canceling the winter classic and the, uh, the, the all-star all-star festivities and the all-star game. And there was an additional little addition to that statement that said, we still plan on having the season start on our target date of January 1st, but I'm with you. I I just don't, I don't see it happening. I'd be, I'd be shocked if, if it's, you know, if, 
were playing regular season games in January, let alone January 1st. I could see them waiting and holding off until February. Uh, I could as well. Yeah. Last one for you. Not sure if you saw this today, but the Chicago Blackhawks were wrongfully placed as the last place team on the Locked On NHL's original six power rankings done by Chris Michelli. Cosign or no sign? I that is a no sign. We're not worse than the Red Wings. <laughs> Come on. Come on. I thought that the was pretty gutless. That was so I gutless. saw it and I was like, oh, that is a low blow right there. Especially because I just did. I just did a crossover with Chris like a week ago, dude. Like <laughs> that was a that was a that was a kick in between the legs right there. Below the Red Wings. Oh man. Yeah, that I, that's brutal. a no sign from me. That's a no sign from me. I get being at the bottom, but below Detroit, oh man, I don't, I can't agree with that one. Yeah, I'm with him. It, hurt, it <laughs> hurt though. It hurt though for sure to that, even be in that realm. It's it's a little bit of a slap to the face, but it, <laughs> that's where we are at this point. Unfortunately, it's been a tough past couple of years, Mike. Well, I'm you know I'm I'm with you. I'm. I also thought that the Leafs got slayed a little bit too because you like. Oh. I think the Leafs are ahead of Boston. In my, I, you can from an outsider perspective, maybe I'm being a little homer here, but I think the Leafs are a better team than Boston going forward. I mean, they lost some significant pieces, and Toronto did nothing but get better. I, I think this is kind of eerie. I had the same feeling with Tampa Bay going into this postseason. I'm like, Tampa Bay. In order to get over the hump, they have to slay Boston. They haven't been able to get past Boston, and they finally did this year, and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. And I think that's kind of the same thing with you guys. You guys need to get over the Boston Bruins hump. And they definitely have made um, some moves that – I mean, they got rid of Tory Krug. That was a tough loss this offseason. They still have kind of – Charter's not back yet. Yeah, they don't know what's going on with Zdeno Chara. They're definitely weak on the back end, and there's still question marks uh, about the. Um, they have lost a second line centerpiece or second line scoring piece. They were trying to add one through free agency, and they didn't really get. They were looking at Brandon Saad. Colorado ended up getting him. So I think you, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, addressed their needs better than Boston did this offseason. So I think. Going forward, yes, I would I would say that the Leafs have the higher ceiling in the next couple of years than the Bruins do. But at the same time, you can say that all you want, but on the ice is you gotta perform and you gotta beat them in the playoffs. That's a whole nother battle. You gotta actually walk the walk. Ah, uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. But uh on paper, I, I do like Toronto going forward more than I like uh, the Boston Bruins. I, I also New York was given the number one spot in the power rankings and, and I feel like that it's a may, generous. Yeah, that might be a little generous. That that might be a bit generous and a little bit uh, just based on recency bias. They, and, and they kinda, are loaded, though. Like, they are. They are pretty loaded, and that happened real quick. But this is a team who technically, if it wasn't for the stoppage, weren't oh, even no. in the playoffs. No, that's 100% true. 100% true. But they do just have a ton of upside, especially – with their, all their young players, we didn't even really see much of Capocacco last year. Didn't mm-hmm. make that much of an impact. He's going to get better and better. Adam Fox is going to get better and better. Tony D'Angelo is going to get better. Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad are going to lead the way. It, it's, a, it's a core that has you thinking 
there's going to be a lot of special things coming from that team going forward. Yeah, definitely. So I, I understood I mean, the one spot, but it definitely was a little bit, a uh, little bit generous. Yeah, and for those who want to know the entire ranking, it was New York as the first uh, first place, Boston number two, Toronto number three, Montreal is number four. Detroit as number five, and then the Chicago Blackhawks coming in at the bottom (laughs) of the original six power rankings as the sixth team in the league. That's gross and just wrong. We are both no signing on those ones. So, Chris, (laughs) if you're listening, terrible rankings, man. Terrible, Terrible, Chris. (laughs) And you do me dirty after I do a crossover with you a week later. I'll remember that. I'll remember that when we're in the season, when we're in the regular season, if it ever happens. And yeah. Chris DMs me and says, hey, you want to get together for a crossover episode? And I leave him on red for a week. <laughs> Just hard bomb him. That's yeah, awesome. now, hey, now we'll know why. Guess what? You came on, you did a crossover with me, and tell you what, I will not speak ill of the Chicago Blackhawks for at least a month. This three-week <laughs> nonsense is... i do that, Mike. One month, no bad talk. No, no. I, I'll keep me to it. Keep my word. I will do it. Uh, Jack, thanks so much for joining me, man. This is a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely, Mike. I would definitely love to do it again sometime. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today in the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. And follow Jack at Jack Bushman 2 on Twitter. And if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Lockdown NHL podcast where myself and four other Lockdown hosts discuss the latest around the NHL. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here. Here on Lockdown Leafs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that crossover event with Mike DeStefano of Lockdown Leafs. That will wrap up Friday, October 23rd's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show and be sure to subscribe and to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from all 31 teams around the league. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account at JackBushman2 or my Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Don't forget that the next episode of Locked On Blackhawks is Mailbag Monday. So for any questions at all regarding anything related to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, feel free to email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com, hit me on one of my two Twitter accounts, or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until Monday's episode, everyone enjoy your weekend responsibly, and thank you again for listening to Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.